Hello and welcome to Cool Takes. The story Ooh, chilly. Something to keep you nice and cool in these summer months. Uh, what is Cool Takes? It's a podcast, which you might have already figured out. But Cool Takes is a show where it uh, we do it's a retrospective podcast where we cover older movies and we have discussions about films that have gestated in the cultural mind for many, many years. Uh, I'm your host, Robbie Anderson. I'm joined today by Michael Philip Burge. Michael P. Burge. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing really good, Robbie. How are you? I'm good. Uh, well, it's kind of it's kind of chilly in here. It's chilly because it's it's cool. Oof. Take we got the AC going and it's filled with with nice older flicks yeah. to talk about. Uh, before we jump into it, I just want to let everyone know that you are listening to a Story Screen podcast, which can be found on StoryScreenBeacon.com, which is a place where you can find show times for our mom and grop pop movie theater located in town and a place where you can also find articles reviews more podcasts videos and all kinds of things like that so you know check out our website and wherever you're listening to this podcast don't forget to like share subscribe and all the things that you hear everyone say because everyone wants to be a famous internet person me included yeah smash that like button smash that like uh so yeah today we're talking about so a little, a little backstory for this movie. Uh, if you guys listen to any of our shows, you might know that Mike Burge has seen every movie. Not correct, but, Ro- but sure. But, Rob- but Robbie has seen not that many movies, despite no, not no about none of the many, movies. I would say I've seen no, I've seen none. no movies. I've seen all of them, and you've seen none of them. Exactly. So it's a fun, it's a fun middle ground we struck. But uh, Mike asked me the other day on the phone. He was like, "Can you pick a movie we could talk about that?" You've seen and I haven't, and it took about two weeks of me really narrowing it down, but I found one movie that I like. I'm not, I don't know how many people have seen it. I don't, I don't think it's like the best movie ever, but I, it has a special place in my heart, uh, and it's a movie called Kaboom, directed by Greg Araki, uh, and it's a little special movie. It's, it's a weird movie. Uh, by the nature of Cool Takes... We're, we're jumping, you know, there's spoilers for this flick. We're just going to jump into it, have a nice, open, honest discussion. But, uh, but Mike, what's your hot take on this cool take on Kaboom? Uh, this fucking movie kicks ass, man. It's cool. It's pretty fucking. <laughs> this is one of the weirdest fucking movies I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of fucking weird movies. However, I will preface this on um, when you said the director's name to me over the phone, Greg Arlanti. Um, Greg Araki. Araki. Uh, I didn't connect it. This is the Mysterious Skin guy. Okay. Mysterious Skin is an amazing film. Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of launched his indie career. It was like Mysterious Skin and Brick came out and boom, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like, the man. Come at me, bro. Um, Yeah. And in looking it up to find Kaboom, it was like also suggesting Mysterious Skin to me. And I was like, hmm, I haven't seen Mysterious Skin in a while. I'd like to watch that. Are these movies like kind of on the same wavelength? And I found out, no, they are the same thing. So this director 
is known for his very, um, let's put this real nice, his sort of, I wouldn't say it's immature, but maybe more like infantile way of filmmaking. And it's kind of his like M.O. where he he tackles very heavy subjects in a very odd way. He uses very yeah. weird lenses, not physically, but, you know, just like what how he wants to explain a story. He uses very odd choices deliberately in order to kind of really freak people out. Uh, and that's all over Kaboom. Um, I hate this movie just as much as I love it. The worst thing about Kaboom is that, like, when it gets interesting, it starts spinning way too many plates, and Ugh. it goes like it, like it, ex- it kabooms. It explodes itself in ways. This is like this is the ugh. the reason that I like it is because I yeah. think that there is um, an intention behind every batshit crazy thing that's happening there that is trying to do something elegant, but due yeah. to the kind of 2010 you know, millennial kind of thing, it kind of gets brushed. It's very easy to brush it aside as silly and stupid. Um, But I think it's, I think for the most part, it's intentional. Um, And even if it isn't, it doesn't matter because I want to believe that it is because that makes it watchable. Um, But I do love the fact like, yeah, it's called Kaboom. You don't know why it's called Kaboom, the whole movie. And then the ending is just like Kaboom. And you're like, oh, that's why it's called Kaboom. And like you said, yeah, that's very cool that it like it all just starts essentially the last. I realized there was only eight minutes left of the movie. And it's I'm crazy. Like, when is this going to start getting to the end of all of this? And, and just kind of and they just go like, well, what if every 15 seconds we did a major plot reveal from like 15 other movies you know, and we just kept doing all these things. We're like, she's your sister, and you've been dead this whole time, and I'm your best friend, but I've been in on it this whole time. And, and your dad's and a like, cult leader, and he yeah. fucks everybody, and he fucks. And it's like, what? It's and a like, fucking I, weird movie. It's, it's a weird movie. It, I would say that it is a bad movie that is well made. I or do, it's, I can, or no, it's a good movie that's poorly made. It's It's somewhere in there. I think it's the earlier than the latter. And I think, because like, the movie, the movie that's in Kaboom, because there's a bunch of movies in Kaboom. The movie that I'm into in Kaboom, and I think that like elicits like the best conversation, is kind of what like the two thirds of the movie is really about, which is about like uh, it's a coming coming of age story about being queer in college and all the fun stuff you get up into and and the horniness that happens. And then, sure. and then there's some weird then there's some weird magic stuff, and you're like, this is kind of a fun world to maybe exist in. Um, and then the movie that I'm less into is the science fiction aspect of the mm. film that, and I feel like there's like a, there's like a turn. Cause I do think like the performances in the movie are fun. I think like everyone's like uh, really This cool is like a it. stacked like, cast for Mike Burge right? over here. This is uh Thomas Decker. Who's from uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, he played, he played John Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, a show who, that I who, love. Who is he in the movie? He's Smith. That's Thomas Decker. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, Haley Bennett recently was just in Swallow. Oh, you're right. That yeah. Is her. Uh, Chris Zilka, who plays Thor, is um, one of the main characters from The Leftover. He plays the son. Okay. Uh, there's like loads. Oh, fucking. Juno Temple's in it. Juno Temple's huge. Juno Temple is huge. You get to see her yeah. naked, which was something that I never thought that I wanted to see, and I'm still not sure that I needed it, but 
I'm okay know. with it. Uh, also, uh, Kelly Lynch, who plays um, uh, Smith's mom, she's the doctor from Roadhouse. The, the woman who clearly had one day of shooting during the entire... <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe two. Maybe two days, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking weird movie. It's super weird. Uh, uh, but it's yeah, a, I, like I was watching the cast, yeah. like as all these characters were showing up, I was like, who's a... They're in this? They're in this too? And it's kind of like, oh, he's just like getting all of these unknowns at the time, uh, kind of, uh, to just try and like maybe create more of like a realistic kind of thing, like where you're not associating stardom with any of these people. Um, I will say this real quick off the bat, probably my hottest of takes on this. Please do. uh, Is I, you know... uh, Complete just like virtue signaling aside, which is just a bullshit term anyway and doesn't exist. People are allowed to be yes. nice and talk about it. Um, I think that I am a very open-minded person. I am uh, what the kids call woke a little bit. Uh, I have never had a problem with the LGBTQ community in any way. Uh, this movie makes me terrified of queer people. <laughs> and it's not the because of for you, it's man. not because of anything that they're actually doing it's just using the sci-fi lens with all this weird shit and pretty much like everybody in the movie is queer in some way or, or at least has one queer scene or tendencies which i feel like that has to be done on purpose i think it's one of the few things that is done on purpose yeah it's like movie. every yeah. single person is just like I said, fucking like gender is a construct, bro. Yeah, and it's kind of before like not that the vernacular didn't exist, but you know the the way that the the queer community talks about themselves, uh, you know the the wording changes very rapidly, and you know even you know two in two thousand ten, like you know a lot of the terminology and things we use now to discuss sexuality is is different in in many ways the same, but in many ways different, and uh, yeah, this movie definitely like tackles queerness on a spectrum the horniest spectrum everyone's fucking in the movie there's so much there's a lot there. it's crazy yeah it's like almost like a softcore porno at most times um very much it's yeah. uh i wish there was a little bit more peen there is over over use of boob as opposed to peen yeah it's not as even uh you know i'm i like uh i like seeing the peen on the screen uh, from time to time, right. just watching Gone Girl the other day. It's got a great um, Ben Affleck peen you, scene. You see full peen yep. in that one, full, yeah. full on, real quick, boom, full there on, it is, full on peen. And uh, it's just the there. Peen. It's just us. It's just there for us girls, just to be like, all right. We always wanted to know. And there he is, Batman. There is Batman's 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 dick. dick. <laughs> Batman's dick. Uh, so no, but Batman's dick is not in this movie. Um, unfortunately. No. But there is uh, witchcraft, and um, I think uh, dimension jumping and uh, psychic powers and yeah prophecies. Well, I, I didn't like that the witchcraft got explained away as a psychic power experiment thing. Right, I was like more into like, it. I was like, oh, it was more fun when it was like witch stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. The movie, the movie, kind of like saps its own fun away from itself. And I, it's just weird. It's just weird we that the to, end of the on. movie. We, hold on yeah. a sec, because I, I highly doubt 
a lot of our regular listeners have seen, seen this Kaboom? movie or took the time to watch it before. So can we get like a, just for them that's listening, can we just get a quick plot synopsis of what we're talking about here so that they have something to grab onto? Yeah. Like, can how, you, how do you, can you do, do you want that? me to do it? You have to do it. I just watched this movie for the first time <laughs> and I'm still like kind of really weirded out that you recommended this movie to me. I'm dealing you with that me, shit. You gave me a challenge and I met it. Like what uh, happens in this movie? Like what's the spoilers and all like kind of just synopsis. So Kaboom is, uh, it is about a sexually undeclared man in his freshman year of college. He has some, he has his best friend, um, Stella, played by Haley Bennett with him. And he's in, he's in school, he's, he's finding himself, he's, he's bisexual or undeclared as, as I mentioned before, and he's having these visions of being in hallways and seeing people he hasn't met yet. And also seeing a big red dumpster. So he's having these visions of either out of time or the future he doesn't know. Uh, but the movie's played very lightheartedly. It's very fun. It's very sexual. It's very much about like young teenage angst, at least in these early, earlier parts. And uh, after about an hour or so of banging everybody and everything, uh, it turns into a sci-fi movie. Where it's revealed that his father is the ringleader of a cult. That he himself is the chosen one. That the world is about to end uh, imminently, <laughs> very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if... The movie more revels in its revelation than it does say anything about, like, is he trying to fix it? Is he trying to stop it? He doesn't have a chance to really do either. And that's kind of like the movie. It ends as abruptly as it reveals its its full hand to you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have like it doesn't have like a a sweet, you know. It doesn't have like it doesn't reveal like ah, and I have a flush. It's just like and I have five cards in my hand. The end. Yeah, and that's like my that's like my broad strokes. Yes, kind of version of it, and kind of more specifically in there. Um, Smith is has a roommate named Thor who's like a dumbass and Smith yes. kind of wants to fuck Thor, but Thor is straight, but he also has a friend named Rex who they're calling each other um, like gay slurs the, the, the and big, stuff while they're, yes. while they're joking around. Um, meanwhile, Smith is also uh, hooking up with this girl named London, who's played by uh, teen heartthrob Juno Temple. Uh, she's also a weirdo. They're both fuck boys. So they're just like kind of getting together and fuck boying. And then at one point, London invites Rex to have sex with both her and Smith. That happens. Rex seems a little weirded out by it. That's on his birthday. Also, at the same time, (laughs) Stella, Smith's best friend, who also is a lesbian, uh, is uh, being intimate with uh, Loralee, who ends up being kind of like a crazy witch who starts casting spells on her to give her orgasms, but also when they break up is using the spells in malicious ways, such as voodoo and possession, all this different stuff. And none of this is explained at the same time. Smith is, um, he saw Lorley in his dreams also next to a red haired girl. And he's trying to track this red haired girl down while, in between bouts of having sex with Juno Temple, he is seeing visions of people in animal masks, a la Your Next, but a few years earlier. Predates, predates Your Next. Predates. Yes. Uh, and then he sees them kill her, 
uh, but or he thinks he does, and then a torso is found in a dumpster, and then the torso is stolen from the uh, from the from the morgue, and then Smith meets this guy uh, named Hunter, and they have sex. Uh, and then I believe Hunter is also the yoga instructor for his mom. D- different characters. Are they different they characters? The I don't fucking yeah. know because I can't. They look, they look very similar. You're um, right, but, uh, uh, me- meanwhile, uh, a, a, a boy named Oliver is uh, confessing to Smith via 2010 internet that he likes him. Um, and also, also, the floor... <laughs> Uh, super for the for the college Messiah, uh, known as Messiah, who's played by James Duvall, who uh, everyone will know from the criminally overrated film Donnie Darko. He plays Frank. Oh, stop. He plays Frank. Right? Frank is his name. Does he play? Does he play Frank the Bunny? He or plays. He's in the costume. He's in the. He's in the. He's costume. like when he takes his mask off and he's you know like no spoilers. Famously, Donnie Darko. Famously overrated. Fa- Fuck yeah. Famously overrated. Come on now. It's a good movie. It's a good it's movie. A cult, it's a, it's cult a classic. You hear what you just said right there? It's a good movie. I think. I think. Listen, if you're 14 and your favorite movie is Donnie Darko, I think you're on the right path. I don't know. Or if you're 14 and your favorite movie is Kaboom. I don't know what shit's going to get fucking weird for you. Um, and so all of that is happening. Messiah played by James DeVal is uh, a super weirdo stoner. That's like kind of uh, just like popping in and out every now and then. Um, and then in all of the revelations, yeah, you find out that London is Smith's sister, that Thor Rex and um, who's the, and Hunter have all been in on this. To get Hunter has psychic power, or no, not Hunter. Um, no, no, the Oliver other, has psychic powers. Oliver and the Messiah are on the right side. They're trying to save they, him. They they work for oh, um. Jesus. They work for the rival faction, cleverly known as the Resistance. When they say that, <laughs> when they drop that bomb, I was just like, listen, I need to believe that all of this is done tongue in cheek. Otherwise, this is the stupidest fucking thing. Like it's that's the whole thing. You can't. Crazy. You can't tell the intention. And that is uh, a perfect dissection of how hard it is to talk about and, and digest and dissect art. If this is all intentional, it's fucking genius. If this is trying to be serious and thinks that all of these things that it is saying is very cool, it's uh, an absolute trash pile. And I think it's somewhere in between in the middle. Um, yeah. Because there are some lines like, if they start screaming, I'll uh, plug their mouths with my cock. And you're yeah. like, all right. But then the characters in in that scene also look at him like the audience just did. Like, that's a really stupid thing to say. But like the screenwriter wrote it. And it's just clever enough where you would think some bro would think that that's a clever thing to put in his movie. And that's everything in the movie to me everything in the movie has these kind of shades of like well i saw clerks and mall rats and a couple tarantino movies now i'm gonna write a movie that takes place in college because that's where i am when i'm writing the script the, mo- the movie but we also know it's greg Araki, who yes. you mentioned before is a prolific creator who's yes. done like weird avant-garde cinema before and this is in line with it's very weird his other work yeah. yeah it's like it's genre bending where it's like You know, you get someone who is a phenomenally well-known, well-respected, talented indie artist who does like very surreal stuff. And then all of a sudden they're tasked with doing 
um, they're tasked with doing something. Like, I, I think it's kind of close with Taika Waititi. With Taika Waititi makes these specific movies like Boy, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows. He gets tasked with making a big budget blockbuster Marvel entry, and he brings his own flair into it by taking the extra genre and turning it more into like a buddy cop kind of thing. Whereas I think with what this is happening is, is you're getting a very intense, um, very openly sexual uh, filmmaker who's tackling this kind of college mystery genre that was very big between like 2000 and 2010. It was probably more going towards the end of its run. Movies like Rules of Attraction and stuff like that, which is a phenomenal movie, which has a lot of the same uh, kind of ingredients in it, where it's like, it's kind of satirical and a farce. It's written by Brett Easton Ellis. So it's like American Psycho-ish. Um, and I think that he's just kind of using these genre traits, but doing it, you know, just kind of being really fucking weird with it. But instead of just being a little weird with it, he's like, how weird can I make each separate part of this movie? And let's just yeah. dial that all the way up at all times, which can be exhausting. Uh, if you're not along for the ride and which it, it did admittedly take me about 30 minutes to kind of be aware of what was going on and start enjoying myself a lot more. The first 30 minutes of this movie I was watching, I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> I think again, like, you know, I, I like the, the beginning of the movie, like that pitch of like what the movie is or what it's presenting itself to you as, you know, like this openly sexual college adventure with a little bit uh of surrealism under the surface like that's what i was signing up for so when we get to like kind of the later parts of the movie like i feel like even you can tell even the like the actors like don't quite know what's going on anymore like they're saying all this like kind of like heavy exposition and i feel like they're just like yeah this is not really the movie that i thought this was gonna be yeah. but we're saying all these lines and stuff and explaining away like what's going on um, I think it's, you know, I, I liked your, I'm, I'm happy that you're kind of like equally mystified by Kaboom because I've been kind of mystified by Kaboom for many years now. I actually tried to write uh, an article about Kaboom for the, for the story screen website years ago and I couldn't do it because I was just like, I don't think the movie is saying anything. I think that that's my most, that's. That's the thing that's very interesting about it. I think it's very easy to watch this movie uh, aside, push it aside as just like, it's it's stupid. Um, but I don't think that that's what's going on. I think that it's, I agree. I think that it's uh, got a lot on its mind and it's doing it in a very kind of uh, punk-like demeanor. Um, there's a lot to it. It's it's a very nuanced conversation to have about it. And I'm interested in letting it kind of sit with me for a little bit. And it's kind of fun. That's why I like cool takes, because it's it's you've had this movie in your head for almost a, a decade. Yeah. And I just watched it half an hour ago. So it's like you're getting my hot take on it. So I haven't really been able to get to delve well, into it's, it. It's nice because it's fresh because I've, I've like thought the movie to death and I think it's been dead for me for a while. Right. And I've always been like, I always want to like ponder. I, I have also not have had a great backboard for discussing it because so many, so few people have seen it. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm glad you're kind of like reigniting some of the, <laughs> some of what I've pondered about this movie in my head. But I, I do think it's, I don't think it's something that should be written off as like, uh, as like maybe there's like no point to the movie. I do think there's like a decent amount on its mind, whether how well or not it's articulated. But 
you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's a cool, what makes the movie so cool is, is because of it's like really rough edges, yeah. you know, and you don't get to see this like kind of like, uh, visionary amateur esque film that kind of like operates like really well in a lot of ways. And then kind of gets a little too big for its britches, but is very bold in, in those ways as well. You know, mm. I, and, uh, yeah, you know, I always, you know, having gone to, you know, art school, I saw this movie when I was going to purchase. So it was like a perfect movie for me. Cause I was just like, this is kind of like purchase, but purchase is maybe slightly less horny. I'm not sure. Um, at least in my circle. So slightly less, uh, so I liked it for those reasons, but, yeah, I don't know. I I almost like, I, but I think the the world is like still like there, there's a lot that could go. Like I don't hate the sci-fi stuff as much as I kind of was just like, well, if the movie's an hour longer, then maybe I could have like got into it more. But that's obviously not the direction he wanted to take, which makes me be like, so what is like the the point? Like what like what is the point of the sci-fi angle, the world-ending angle of the story? Like what's kind of the the idea and it could be you know kind of that it's the antithesis of an idea you know it's just an ending i don't know i i you know my uh, doing absolutely zero research on the process or and having only seen it once and been very just kind of mystified and not really paying attention to a lot of the specific points uh because it was very hard for me to grab onto this movie it's like an oily rope i'm just like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> um it's a good, i good think that it uh you know, I think generally the point is, is that the reason that we have so many relationships going on in this is like, you know, the backdrop of college, making a college in the first place is okay. Everyone in college is horny as fuck and they're allowed to do whatever they want now because it's their first time of freedom. Uh, and then you add in the element of uh, sexual discovery into that and all of these different, you know, like, well, this person's gay, this person's bi. Uh, this person's undecided, this person's straight. You have all like the kind of major sexuality orientations commonly known at the time uh, for these like typical college people of that age, all yeah, interacting with one another in different ways. And each person has a separate sci-fi or mystical element attached to them, sometimes more than one. And I think those are all supposed to act as metaphors for different types of relationships that you can be in, whether you are straight or queer or anything in between. Like, you know, the witch thing is obviously a whole thing on control and, you know, someone being able to manipulate you both in a relationship and afterwards. And I think all of those things are supposed to be happening parallel to one another and just all commenting on how crazy are relationships? How crazy is sex? How crazy is it being a kid and growing up and trying to find your place in the world and asking all of these questions about relationships? And I think the general point of the movie at the end is to just blow it all up and say none of it actually matters, which is a very true statement of just like at the end of the day, sexuality, sex itself uh, actually does not matter. It doesn't actually for the sake of what how they're doing it. You know, sex is there because you're, that's how you procreate. That's how you keep a species alive. None of these people are doing any of that for that reason. So I think that there is this kind of, um, I think there's this kind of animalistic predatorial commentary on sex for sex sake and the sexual fluidity and orientation is all just like, well, you can talk about it and it's entertaining and it's fun, but at the end of the day, it doesn't actually really fucking matter. Uh, I think that's kind of what's going on with the ending. Uh, 
not that I agree with all of that, but I think that's kind of something that they're that he's kind of juggling around because there's just so much going on that it's, it's really hard to funnel it. And I think the easiest way to funnel it is to be like, well, okay, so what's the ending? And it's literally the earth exploding. And none of the mystery, all of the mysteries get revealed, but none of them get resolved. We don't know what mm-hmm. happens to anybody, really. And they kind of just kill all of the main characters that are in like the last scene, just like off screen. Yeah, even though they mentioned that there's like this underground bunker that right, they set all there this would be, stuff but, but up. Yeah. yeah, but then they, they destroy the entire planet, so it's like, well, no underground bunker is going to survive that. Yes. I assume. Um, yeah, that's why and, you know, I, and I like kind of everything you were just pitching. Like I, I like, I like the, you know the everything the, the temples of these character sexualities and kind of the metaphors that go along with them. But then when you, but then the, the movie kind of like again it starts like disservicing its own metaphors yes or 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 like brushing them over like like the footprints in the snow they're like all right let's cover these up the plot footprints they're like let's get rid of these let's put some new ones on there i don't know let's cover them up because then once you have these characters reveal their true motives they're kind of been like actually i'm a part of this organization or i'm a part of this organization or your dad is this and this is your sister once you start you know these characters that for the past hour have been fleshed out in interesting ways and are interesting in their own right. They, they add on these, these, these faction like relationships to them. And then it's like, all right, well now I don't know. I, I, I like who's, who's Thor now? Like, what, what does that even mean? Like, I thought he was like, like, so you're telling me that this college kid is, uh, straight, a dude, bro, a surfer likes to wrestle with his homie. And he's also a part of this cult that's been watching this dude for the entire movie. It's like, what is like, so, you know, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I, I think there's so much of the movie that you can pull from and break down. And then when you get to the last act of it, it's just like, well, well, why? <laughs> you know? I think, and I, that's, yeah. My, I mean, my take on it, my read is that, that the reason that they start kind of covering up all the stuff that they've been talking about and kind of destroying all the metaphors is literally they're just like smashing everything that they've been talking about. And they're like, isn't that interesting? But nope, we don't think so. Fuck this. You know? And I yeah. think that's kind of like a an odd choice. Uh, but I do honestly think that that's what's going on there. Yeah. I think, you know, a, fr- a phrase that I really like in filmmaking and I and I got it from it's a quote from Tim Burton and it's in uh the book Burton on Burton which is like a uh interview anthology where there's a interviewer interviewing Tim Burton at various stages in his career so pretty much like after each movie you hit him up they talk and and it's interesting seeing Burton's kind of philosophies you know form and change over time especially with Burton where his you know his movies have gone through quite a roller coaster uh, stylistically and otherwise, but one of the things he said, uh, when talking about like creating and making stories, is just like you know you don't want to intellectualize something too much when you're in the creative process, and you know, our, and it's funny to kind of say that because like you know our our job doing film criticism in the way that we do at Story Screen is like you know we we get to do the intellectualizing for these creators, you know, and I do think there's something to be said about like not overthinking the thing you're making and just kind of letting it come out and then let everyone else kind of like 
throw their takes and their metaphors and their themes into it. And, you know, some movies obviously have things baked into it, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of movies are a load of potato. And you like a load of potato sometimes. But, you know, there's these movies that are like these, you know, more avant-garde skewing art house, like indie flicks, where I do think a lot of times it's just like, I'm telling a story about a relationship and here you go. And then it's the, and then we, the, the critics and the viewers get to be like, well, I think it's about this. And I think it's about this. And that's not always baked into every movie. Right. Um, you know, this, the kind of like art, the artist is dead, you know, uh, conversation around things. And that's why I think, you know, that's like the cool thing about this movie, but also like the frustrating thing where it's like, I do think like Greg Araki kind of takes that to the next level where he's just like, well, this would be more interesting stylistically or to film then it does make sense he's not as concerned with sense you know so it's hard for us i think or hard for me specifically where it's like as someone who kind of like seeks theme and metaphor or to make compelling uh introspections on either it's it's a movie that's like it's fascinating me for this long because it's like there's so much you can pull from it, and yeah. then there's so much that the movie actively pushes against yeah. you for doing that. Mm-hmm. It strong arms you for trying to analyze it. It's like, mm-hmm. I no, 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 no. This is... Stop. You know? Mm-hmm. No, and I think that that's... Yes, I agree with all of that. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's kind of just what's kind of on the mind of someone trying to uh, critically... Or, like, examine this movie... Because there's so much going on outside the realm of reality that something must be... With science fiction, pretty much anything in science fiction is a metaphor for something else. That's where it all comes from. Otherwise, you would just yep. make it take place in fiction. The How you get bad things of that is when someone's just like, I'm going to make a zombie apocalypse movie and not understand the very basic metaphor of what a zombie is and why a zombie exists in pop culture and why it's so famous is that it is the embodiment of all of the things that are wrong with us as a society of being sheep and all of that stuff. And then you just kind of, you just keep building on top of that. When you get somebody that wants to just put zombies in there because they think it's scary and fun and cool, but they lose all of those metaphors, that's how you get a bad movie. Yeah, and that's a good example because zombies as a trope is loaded. You know, like zombies like tons going loaded with with theme, and that's I think that's also what's like maybe what's triggering about this movie in that direction is that it's, it's apocalyptic, which also is like a thematic that comes with a load of of themes and tropes yeah. and and tools and you know tropes tropes get used in a negative connotation all the time because I don't think people fully understand tropes. Tropes are tools that artists use to tell stories yes that's that's my that's my MacGuffin argument where i was like there's nothing wrong with having a MacGuffin. it's how you introduce and use the MacGuffin. a MacGuffin, like i every movie pretty much has a MacGuffin. it's just about how obvious is it all movies have you know things that have been used in other stories before and it's not it's not necessarily recycling as much of it's like it's a tool yeah you know, are you going to fault someone for using a screwdriver on something? like 28 days, 6 hours, 42 <laughs> minutes, 12 seconds. That's Donnie Darko. Oh, I, have so many, I have so many grinds in my coffee. That's Donnie Darko that oh. I did. Mm. You did Donnie Darko? That's a Donnie Darko. So Donnie Darko, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because I think Donnie Darko is another one where it's like... Oh, I was thinking about Donnie Darko a lot while I was watching this movie. That's fun. That, is, that is fun that you brought that up because I do think it's one that's like, 
it just is kind of out there and it's up to you the audience member the movie is a plate of food it's like a garbage plate of food where it's like uh, it's a bunch of stuff on there mm-hmm. it's it's a mound you tell me what the flavors yeah. are. Yeah, Donnie that. Darko me, is is a gateway on. movie, uh, yeah. like Fight Club, um, like uh, there's there's just loads of different movies that are of that caliber, of that ilk. Of this is a movie that is kind of so against the norm of what we as a society accept as movies, whether it's a major release or a smaller release. And they just gain this kind of cult status almost instantly. And it also shows people a select group of a generation that they want to be involved in movies. It's it's like the movie that makes them go, I want to do this. I want or yeah. even if it's just like I want to watch movies and understand them and evaluate them. Or I want to make movies. I want to write movies. I want to direct movies. I want to be an actor. Donnie Darko yeah. is one of those movies that uh uh, uh, sparked that fire in uh, an entire like generation of kids like sharing the same VHS tape or DVD throughout high school, and yeah, it is for that matter that I give it such a a, a tough time because it's got the integrity to uh, withstand anything that I can throw at it. At the end of the day, way more yeah. people like Donnie Darko than don't like it, and. It is a very interesting movie and has things about it that are very singular and specific to Donnie Darko. It's 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 using things and tropes, but it's not really ripping anybody off and it's kind of doing its own thing and it creates like a whole wave of movies. I would say that, you know, if it were not for the success of Donnie Darko, we would not have Kaboom because I think that Kaboom is very much kind of relying on this kind of surrealistic uh regular kind of teen comedy-esque tropes in college and we're gonna toss some sci-fi stuff in there only this time we're gonna toss all the colors of the rainbow of sci-fi in there and mix it all up and see what happens and if we don't like it we could just blow the planet up at the end and and call it a day yeah no i think that's fair yeah i i like i like that kind of like um etymology from like this movie to die darko and you know i think about in, in those movies that spark filmmakers' interests or or even like the the unintellectual and that that's not to say stupid, just that the not to come at something fully thoughtfully formed, come at something that's kind of a little bit more alive yeah. than that. You gotta you, know, you gotta about, you like, gotta put uh, lenses on, you know, like yeah, when exactly. they test your prescription, you, you know, they got all that headgear and like all the different lenses and not everybody has to the, have all the same ones on at the same time. Yeah. The the audience has one job, it's to watch it. So if you come prepared with some lenses, you probably have a better time, right? Yes. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think about Clerks. I think about Clerks kind of like punk rock attitude. I think the only reason we know so much about Clerks in terms of like its inspirations and what it does is because Kevin Smith is so, uh, you know, he almost gets in his own way the way he talks about his own films. Like he he's an open book with stuff, you know, whereas you have other like directors and writers where they're a little bit more, they let you as an audience member kind of like throw your hat into the ring and, and analyzing it. Whereas like Kevin Smith and you know, God bless him. Like he has made a career on, on this type of conversations that he has about, about his movies specifically, you know, like he's, he's very much like, Oh yeah, well, you know, this is inspired by how I felt here. This is inspired by this. And these movies inspired me to do this. You know, he's, he wears it all on his sleeve and he's kind of like, I think, you know, something like, like clerks and something like Kaboom are like similar, but the real difference is, is the meta 
experience of the film of having, you know, how much is the creator really involved in the conversation of the flick, you know? Yes. Yes. And it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's a cool movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of movies. I think we, we stumbled onto like something I was thinking about even you know, starting this conversation is like, you know, movies with rough edges or movies that are, are just, they just kind of like exist. And they're not like preloaded with a lot of like themes and commentary. And, you know, we, we just named a few that I think are really good examples with Kaboom, with Donnie Darko, Clerks, Fight, Fight Club's loaded, you know, but that's cool. Yeah. And it works. So, uh, this movie's pretty, uh, pretty fucking gay. It's pretty um, gay. But it's really interesting. It's kind of cool that like this movie was made 10 years ago and it approaches um, the concept of sexuality and being uh, being very aware of what your sexuality is and all the way to being completely unaware. Um, it's uh, it's it's very cool that this movie existed in the time that it did come out i'm a little upset that it took me so long to um discover it let alone get to it uh because i think like you had mentioned it to me like maybe a year or two ago where you were just like there's this really weird movie called kaboom it's super gay and i was just like whatever and now here we are (laughs) a couple years later and i have watched it now i'm like i'm gonna tell other people like yo this is like really super fucking gay movie called kaboom you should fucking watch it it's cool. I mean, I think it's a movie anyone could watch. It, yes. It reminds me of like, it reminds me of watching student films when I was in college. Yeah. And I love, and I love movies that make me feel. Yeah. Like and that's, like, that's, and that's very and that's much my story. His, you know, like, that's the director's motif. You watch Mysterious Skin, which I highly recommend. It's a great fucking movie. Um, yeah. You watch his, and you watch his movies and like, he's very much kind of in that thing where he doesn't want to grow out of that, that college student film style of making movies. Um, yeah. And it's what I was saying about like the movie being like quite gay is that it, it or quite queer just in general, because there's so much going on um, yeah. across the spectrum of this entire thing we call sexuality. Uh, I think it's really interesting because, you know, most movies will kind of use that as the emotional crux of everything. Whereas in this movie, I really do think that it's not about the uh orientation of each of the individual characters it's just the fact that they're that they're so sexually active and so kind of open about it and discussing and having open conversations about sex and what it is to these you know 18 19 20 year olds i think that's the really cool thing that this is something that happened 10 years ago um yeah that that i found to be kind of the most shocking that i thought that that was going to be something that you know, as as cool as it is to have the representation of these different orientations happening on screen with both protagonists and antagonists and mysterious characters and side characters, I think that it's really interesting that that is not really the crux of the story. It, the crux of the story is not, well, Will Smith, will he be gay? Will he be bi? Yeah. Will he be straight? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not ever in question or really a determination. It's more... That's who he is. Now this other stuff is happening to him and his friends. Yeah. I mean, you know, queer cinema is younger than cinema as a whole in general, right? You know, like it's still like the stories that we tell about queer characters who 
you know, who don't, I, who don't use these tried and true tropes of, you know, dying at the end, even though this movie actually does do that, which sucks. Um, yeah, but everybody but in, a weird, does in, in, in so. its, in its weird way. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty equal death. Um, but yeah, I think that the, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, the, the movie for how queer the movie is, it's not concerned with its queerness. Which is very, which is, you know, and that's not a knock against other movies. Like, you know, you have a film about Boy Erased, which, like, that movie has to yeah, be about. that's that's what I found you know? so and, interesting. And, that, and that's fine, yeah. you know, that's that's that type of movie. And, and it is, ref- and, and it, like you said, like, for it being 10 years ago, when, you know, when you have queer stories, they are about their queerness. They are about queerness in culture, that this movie is not really trying to make too bold of a commentary on that it's trying to just tell the the these stories about these characters um sexual orientations end all not sexual orientations in spite of and it's cool you know it's cool and like i do think you know some narrative threads could have been stronger if he applied a little bit more you know queer and gender theory plot wise to the story but that's that's what i want that's not what he's pitching you know that's not what he's trying to do and that's that's fine you know yeah, it's, it you know, there's yeah. loads of just introductions of all of these characters and, you know, I don't think that the story's ever really revolving around, like, who's Smith gonna pick? Like, I don't think he's planning on going steady with absolutely anybody. Uh, no. And the movie is, you know, definitely in hindsight not interested in that, but even, like, while it's going, like, I never got the feeling that the movie was was trying to explain to me that the that the plot is about who's Smith going to end up with and what does that say about his undecided orientation? You know, like it's, what is he, what major is he going to declare? That's what the movie is about. And it doesn't do that. And I think that's one of the indicators of there's, there's a lot more going on with this movie than meets the eye. Right. It's cool movie, man. It's, you don't get to see movies like this all the time, unless it kind of like crosses your path in a lot of ways, you know, like, unless like you kind of hear, hear about it or you know like i found out about it when i was going to art school which is you know that's when you're gonna find out about a movie like this Mm -hmm. that's why that's why i miss about college man is just like kind of all the weird avant-garde shit that you get to kind of just consume so willy-nilly and i take it for granted now because it's so much harder to to kind of organically come across art that's like this you know that has like has some warts and has some rough edges and 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 has flaws but like is cool because it's it's amateur-esque you know Mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard to find especially in our in our line of work when we do this stuff man because you know we're we're trying to comment and and elevate you know work that's 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 gonna garner interest and and have people like kind of be into it and you know we're doing a podcast on kaboom which is cool because i do I do think people will enjoy this movie if they haven't heard about it before. I do think they should check it out. I definitely hope so. It's and you know what? It's one of those sweet, sweet little hour and twenty five minute movies. You, you can't they make them like they used you to. Can't, you can't like pass <laughs> that up. That's nice and easy. No. I really it's am good. getting to a point where I'm getting really fucking sick of TV shows, man. Just make a yeah. fucking movie. It's fucking better. Stop. Uh, it depends. Too I mean, much. there's a lot of times. Too much. That's why there's we a lot of times where I like I like the miniseries too. We don't I like that. now. I like the miniseries. Like I'm, the, I'm yeah. watching Perry Mason right now, the new HBO show with my boy Matthew Rice. Mm. Um, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, I love that it's allowing the characters to flesh out. I love that you're letting me live in this world, 
and figure it out a little bit more over the course of eight episodes as opposed to, you know, two hours. We briefly talked about this on our devs and Westworld episode, me, Diana, and Bernadette. Uh, Check it out. Just about devs as like, you know, because it's Alex Garland who did Ex Machina, Sunshine, 28 Days Later, Annihilation, this amazing movie guy. And now he's making this TV show that's a miniseries. Because he obviously wanted to stretch it out and do all of this stuff, but he had to add things in there, obviously, which are good things, but you could see that the show would just be so much tighter if it was just a smaller thing. And That's I just, what I was going to ask. Like, should Devs have been a, have been a movie? Do I you think, think it, it should have been? No. Do I think that okay. it would have been a better experience? Most likely. We'll never know because we don't know what was added and we don't even know if that sure. is the, the case. Uh, I love Devs and I just wish that the problem with miniseries and TV shows is that you, when you really like it, you want a nice, good rewatch. You want a cool re-injection of the drug that you liked. And I don't want it to fucking take two weeks. I want to I wanna, I wanna pop Annihilation in and be like, for yeah. two hours, I'm going to go on that ride that I really like. Are these two completely different products? Yes. But at the end of the day, if, if Kaboom can fit all this shit into an hour and 25 minutes... <laughs> You can do it is fumbles fumbles the ball. It is. It's the best example. I was thinking about watching Kaboom, and it's funny that you brought it up because I was watching Kaboom. I was just like, what would this look like as like a show? Like, what would this look like as like a Buffy inspired, you know, television show where it's like it's kind of like a monster of the week or like or like a hookup of the week. Almost. It would be. Like it would so, be hook. I was just thinking. I was like, it would be yeah, like, who does he week. fuck this week? Yeah, who does he burn? You know, it's like, it's how like, many gay weird... people are on this campus? Like, look, I get yeah, it. Man, more... There's a lot, I mean... <laughs> a lot more than we even think. But it's just like, at some point, you're just like, is he gonna run out of? Well, I guess he's undeclared, so he can really just screw anybody. And there's there's constantly the new characters showing up every season when the school year changes. So I guess his 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 dating pool is is big. Yeah. The ocean, one might say. Um, yeah, well, I was, I was wondering, I was just like, would this be like kind of cool as a show? And like, honestly, you can make anything into a show and it can work, you know? Like, that's that's the thing. But you could also make a lot of shows in the movies and they can work. Well, especially in this economy. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard. I think it's tough, man. Because like, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, but then I think about shows like Watchmen and I'm just like, yeah, I want I want nine hours of that. Right, and there's, there's some exceptions sure. to the rules and stuff, but I'm like, you know, when you watch these shows that are just like masterpieces, I'm like, fuck yeah, cool idea, make that a show, it all works out really good. I'm like, when you talk about like these these smaller shows that seem to have like this kind of small following, you're just like, couldn't you just make that into a movie and have it maybe just be a little tighter and maybe you get something more out of it? Did you see that movie, um, what was it? It was with, uh, uh, what is it? Beyond the Dark, Hold the Dark, Hold the Dark. From a couple years ago, they released it on Netflix. Uh, I believe it was by Jeremy Solner, the guy that did Green Room. Um, And that that movie uh, reeks of, like, because it was an adaptation of a book anyway, and it reeks of, like, they were probably going to design this to be a very True Detective-esque, like, uh, mini-season, mini-series. And then they condensed it down into, like, a a very conflated two-and-a-half-hour movie. Um, And I love it because of that. Because it feels like if they gave it that extra runtime of being six or eight episodes, that that would have been enough to be able to flush out all of these characters and really dive into this world a little bit more. But I love the idea that we're kind of just thrust into this 
process of like you you know that it's you're on a timeline. You know that you're yeah. gonna finish this story today. And there's something about that that I think gets lost in a lot of TV shows that maybe don't deserve to be that long or warrant that length of a watch. Yeah, I think some shows really straight out of the line. I think about um did you ever watch End of the Fucking World? Season one or two? I watched season one. I haven't watched season two. Season two is is great. It's great. If you like season one, you will love cool. season two. They're both great. But it's you know that's a show where it's it's it like is a movie because each episode's twenty minutes long. It's 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 two hours or, sure. co- or comes in like and under that's two where hours. you start getting into that where it's more of a structure thing where it's like you know yeah each each episode each twenty minute episode is structured like a story. It's got a first act, a second act, and a third act ends on a cliffhanger. You yep. go in. It'd be a very odd movie to just like toss all those twenty minutes together and just play them chronologically. You you would be you kind of need that credit break and like the reverse of that argument is something like Tarantino like taking his movies now and making them miniseries on Netflix like you can watch Hateful Eight as a miniseries he's doing the same thing the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by just injecting you know leftover deleted scenes that weren't deleted because they didn't make sense or work they were just like uh, deleted for time yeah I mean it's an interesting time we live in with storytelling because the visual medium has changed. Like there, there's not just two types of stories anymore. You know, it's not just long form and short form. It's, it's, we kind of have like so many different types of stories in between with like, in terms of like popularized visual fiction, like obviously books have tackled story structures. Plays have tackled story structures, hundreds of years, thousands even. But you know, now we see in the, in the more popularized medium, the more popularized visual medium, you know, there are so many different types of ways to tell a story. Because, like, you know, even me describing how you would, how you would tell um, uh, End of the Fucking World, it, it, it is kind of really... I haven't really ever seen a show presented like that. And that's kind of because of, like, the way Netflix has presented shows for a while now. But then you have other shows that are more traditional, like um, Handmaid's Tale. And Handmaid's Tale kind of, I think, suffers from its longevity now, now being four seasons later, you know? But it's more traditional, and it doesn't give you everything at once. It does make you kind of wait that week to week. And then you even look at, you know, Tarantino is a great example because he t- he makes a story that can be chopped and cut into whatever box he kind of needs it to be, you know? And I don't think we've ever... I think this is really the first, like, time, at least in, in my life, but I do think in, like, visual history where it's, like, so popularized where you can t- tell stories in so many different types of chunks for lack of a better term. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. It's 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 an interesting conversation to have TV versus movies. Yeah, well, I think cuz the lines are getting so blurred now. Right. You know. So it's hard. I I do think I talk to a lot of people. I I I've had conversations with people they're just like, "Oh yeah, movies kind of suck now. Like TV's where it's at." And I'm like, it "Seems like a a huge uh <laughs> like I don't know, generalization yeah. like there's plenty of shit TV out there. Probably more, you know, quantity to quality numbers wise. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also there's like the investment there, factor yeah. into it. People are more likely to uh, give things much more of a pass if they've already been invested in it for several hours. You know, you watch season yeah. one of something and you really like it. And then you watch season two. Maybe season two is actually trash, but if you're going to be more willing to be like, it's okay. You know, then you because you like the characters, you like the story of the first season, so you're kind of bringing that baggage onto it. Whereas with a movie, even if it's a sequel, it's so fast because 
it's only like, you know, an hour and a half to like two and a half hours, three hours, maybe, you know, it can just be like, you know, you, oh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't connect with it. I didn't invest enough into it. So I'm like, ah, I didn't like it. Yeah. There's a different, like, and that all like lands on again, uh, one of our favorite kind of like theories and philosophies to talk about is like the idea of how different people watch movies differently. Everybody ingests movies in a different way. There are thousands yeah. of different ways to do it. And it's all about being able to kind of meet on the same level and be like, well, let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. And that's where you start getting some people who are just like, yo, were you even paying attention to Kaboom? I know it's hard, but like, there's some weird shit going on there. Yeah. Kaboom is fruitful territory to like try and, and pull theory and themes from because it's not so like readily available. Mm-hmm. And that's good art, man. I mean, that's like, you know, that's why you look at paintings. A painting doesn't tell you what it's about. Mm-hmm. You tell the you tell the painting what it's about, and then no one's really there to listen. That's fine. That's how it works. Well, Mike, I think we're getting towards the end of our time here. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. I had a good time. Thanks for the good recommendation. Uh, I'm glad you watched it. Maybe uh, maybe we'll flip the tables next time, and and I'll watch one of the many movies I haven't seen with you. We'll find out. We will. Uh, you should check out Rules of Attraction if you if you haven't seen it. I should do that. I think you're right. I think that uh, you there's a lot of the same kind of stuff going on in there as this movie. A um, lot of cool shit. I think you dig Rules of Attraction. I will check it out. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I will say again... This is not the only podcast on StoryScreen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host to many articles, podcasts, reviews, and more. So you can go on that website. You can check out a lot of the content that our really talented team develops on a day-to-day basis. You could also sign up for our members-only page where you get exclusive content. So that's right. If you can't get enough, you can get more. And it supports us and keeps the lights on in our apartments and also uh that money can go towards us getting more equipment and doing more varied types of content so if you want to support us doing more stuff like that throw us a bone and we appreciate it we also are on youtube now you can go on our youtube channel story screen beacon you could like share and subscribe to that as well and please check a look at our videos we've been doing a lot of super cuts video essays things like that uh we've been having a lot of fun with it kind of exploring this new frontier of content making and we really love your support there so thank you if you do. And if you don't, I'll get you next time. Uh, and don't forget, while you're on the website, to buy a t-shirt, tote bag, mug. We got swag. Anything you want to plug, Mike? Nope. Cool. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Peace.